If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. See, you're too quick for your play on music. Yeah. Josh, thanks <laughs> for joining us. Yeah, no, yeah, we can do, we'll, we'll, we'll refilm it. Okay.、Um, so I didn't get to see it today, but I heard that Apple introduced a, a new box, a new Apple TV.、Yeah. And what I heard is this thing is full of apps. There used to be a handful of apps, and now Apple is, is opening this, this, the TV box open to the world of developers. So, in Apple's vision of the world of TV, it's a bunch of different apps. Some of them presumably are from AMC Networks. Some of them are from Angry Birds and game developers. Some of them are from I don't know where else. Is that future exciting for you? Is it terrifying for you? Yeah. It's, a, it's probably a little bit of both. I'd say a little more exciting than terrifying, but、uh, terrifying if you want to worry about it.、Uh, you can worry about Donald Trump too much, too. So I try not to worry about、uh, a free and open world or too much about Donald Trump. Uh, and look at the bright side. We could spend the entire time talking about Trump. <laughs> It's、But、almost irresistible. You were in a world where there was a grid and you had, you had multiple yeah, channels yeah, yeah. that had positions on those grids,、yeah. and people、yeah. would watch that stuff、yeah. no matter what was on to、yeah. some degree or another.、Yeah. In, in an open app world,、yeah. it seems like you don't, a、yeah. lot of your advantages have gone away,、yeah. will go away. Right. So, so the, sort of the old world of、uh, free ride television, when, when there was a grid and you just、uh, basically lived on、uh, the old television paradigm, which is quite old, of、uh, they were there at 8, so they'll be there at 8.30. So I'll shove something on at 8.30 and 9, and I'll live with a term that really almost no longer exists called flow.、Uh, and that was the television model. And it led to a certain way of programming, which was generally to put on a whole bunch of indifferent stuff and make as much money as you could, which is why people of my age, <clears throat> um, maligned TV all the time and said basically it's the cesspool of our lives. And my mother tried to get me not to watch.、And、it didn't work was, out well. It didn't work out well at all. And she tried to get me not to read comic books. And now、uh, a number of our TV shows are from comic books. So I would say, note to self and other parents in the room probably tell your kids the other thing and they'll do what you want them to do. Good, good. Thank you. Trick them. But so it was, no, it was, an, it was an easier free ride world, I think. Hopefully, you know, about for the longest time, 10, 15 years, we've had in mind that the free ride won't continue. You saw this coming? Well, I would say we saw some form of it coming. I'm not so sure we saw the day Apple on today would say it's、uh, all apps for TV, but we certainly, all this technology means you can choose more and be dictated less by a bunch of people who work in 
television programming. And you'll have to fend for yourself and you'll have to make yourself successful and you'll have to find stuff that people really like and care about. Actually, I think, Peter, I think that world's largely upon us uh, pre the Apple announcement. And if you look at the amount of viewing that occurs that's not on linear, as we call it, and that is on, on demand, it's already the case that a substantial amount of television consumption is stuff you go find. Right, and, and some of that is, is you get credit for, some of it, it you don't get credit for that at all. It's the ratings for, for your networks and all the networks now sort of tumbled in the last year. Do you think that's viewers watching your stuff on other platforms and, not, and you don't get credit for it from Nielsen? Or do you think they've just gone and they've gone to YouTube and they've gone to apps? And, and you know, I think, I think it's probably, uh, um, th there's an awful lot of delayed viewing. I'm not so sure it absolutely 100% makes up for that, which is not a linear. By the way, happily, we're actually up this year amazingly. We're one of the few that are, so it's a nice moment for us to be exceptional. And so we've had Knockwood some good fortune. But the, but the seismic trends of people streaming more than they used to. Actually, I heard a stat today that really was sort of interesting. It was, I think I got it right. I hope I got it right. In prime time, this is very television talk, but you might find it interesting. In prime time, uh, the, there are 1.8 million uh, people 18 to 49 street, uh, dealing with devices other than the television set, 18 to 49 in prime, tablets and other devices, which is up about a double from last year. That seems like it might be low. That's the stat yeah. I heard. I assume everyone in this room watches TV with a device either in their hand or, or next to it. Does anyone not watch TV holding a phone or near a laptop? All right, so we can, we can clap that crowd out. By the so, way, there are, there are about 35 people in the back who won't admit it, but they're, fair enough. they're, they're actually like glued to their television sets. They're on the grid, and they're, and they're watching, they're eating TV dinners. So we're looking at a I world where, where your attention's fragmented, people are eating TV dinners. And they're... actually about one-third of that subset is voting for Trump, and we'll never tell anybody in this goddamn room, uh, but they actually think he's telling it like it I is. I would so love to meet him Would you, would the Trump supporters mind standing up and departing right now? Uh, just, just for the hell of it, just for clarity. None. Um, so we're, it's fragmented world, fragmented <laughs> yeah. uh, attention. You make some of the best shows on TV. We should set the stage in case anyone doesn't know you. You're the guy behind AMC. I was hoping AMC. you'd do that Thank before you. I yeah. got here, for Christ's sake. But I, I, don't do I was wind waiting up. for a couple of accolades before I got up. He says, here's Josh Sapan. We have to wait till the, mid said, till said, the middle, middle for him to heard, say if you've heard they of did Mad a couple Men. of good shows. Mad Men? Yes, Mad Men. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Say it loud, Peter, for Christ's sake. There's a show called The Walking Dead. The Walking which is Dead. Very popular. <laughs> so this is all great. More for you. Other that's, channels. That's, we got other channels. Other shows. Um, we have some movies. I don't, I don't watch any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> how? And so everyone in this crowd loves and you and loves your stuff. And Sarnoff is here from BBC. We now own 49.9% of that. Yeah. Orphan Black, Doctor Who, Top Gear. Come I was on, promised man. you would be shy and retiring, and I would sort of extract stuff out of you. Someone profiled you as having a personality that needs some help, so I thought I would just help emancipate you while we were here. I was just doing God's work. How do you get attention for yeah. these wonderful and popular shows today yeah. and tomorrow when it only gets harder? Yeah. So, uh, in a word, it's more of a bitch than it's ever been. There's no question about it. You really have to work harder. You have to be more clever, and you probably have to spend more money to bring people to the game. There's no question about it. The, the money part is challenging because it just means you need more resource and money. 
The clever part is really fun if you like that sort of stuff because all the rules of old are out the door, I think. So you used to premiere things and that meant show them for the first time. Now it's common practice that you premiere before the premiere, which I think is a wonderful idea. It's no longer new and you can rely on social media for people to talk about things before they've occurred. So <clears throat> the amount of foreplay that occurs before television happens makes the actual television look sort of minor by comparison, which I think is really pretty interesting from a marketing point of view, and you have to embrace it and really elevate it and love it and do interesting things with it. And so I think that's a fair amount of the challenge. And then I just would emphasize one other thing, which is you better put on good stuff. You know, the, the number of people I'll ask, maybe rhetorically, and this is maybe not the right room to ask, how many people use Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes? It's probably a pretty high percentage. That didn't used to be the case, so now people can be guided to what's good, and they don't have to just collide with crap. Other than saying I want, you want to make good shows, right? Because yeah. very few people will come out and say they want to make bad shows. Yeah. Are you thinking about making the shows differently um, are you th than you would have a few years ago, given the fact that maybe someone's not going to come to them for... <clears throat> a couple weeks uh, or maybe even a year until they show up on Netflix or on demand. Um, yeah, but it's that, that making good stuff, not bad stuff, which sounds like an obvious, almost comical statement, is if you look at the history of TV, it's probably the case today that there's at least uh, a pretty hefty number of good shows. And there didn't used to be a hefty number of good shows. So that's not a small thing, because if you were going to live on the grid you brought up initially, and believe that people would just stay on channel five because they rested there all evening long, then you probably would make stuff that was sort of indifferent. And if you believe that they're gonna to get to it five weeks later because their good friend says, you've gotta go watch Catastrophe or you better watch Transparent or you better watch something else, hopefully on one of our channels, then good really does matter like it's never mattered before. So let's stipulate that good's important. Okay, thanks. Um, beyond it's making like a goddamn good, debate moderator, beyond, stipulate that could not. Yeah, beyond making, <laughs> beyond making an awesome show. Yes. Um, how are you thinking about making that? Maybe you're not. Maybe you just make the same show you would have made five or ten years ago. I, I don't think so, though. It seems like. Well, first of all, you were, a few years ago you weren't making your own shows. You were right, showing right. Point Break, yeah. which is a great movie. Yeah. You should show it more often. Um, we were showing Chinatown, by the way. Chinatown is awesome. And we were showing. You can, you can still sh show Shawshank Redemption till you die and everybody will watch. That's just the one exception. So when you are making a show yeah. or asking Sony to make a Breaking yeah. Bad for you, we can talk about that in a second as well, are you thinking about making it differently given the way that the audience is going to come to it, given the audience expectations? Yeah, I think a little bit yes and no. Um, we started out in this current, this chapter of our sort of lives, and we made Mad Men was the first show that we made. So it really was as, within capitalism and within the television system within capitalism, it was probably as purely intentioned as one could possibly be, meaning we made it because we thought it was beautiful. We made it because we thought the characters came alive, even though I asked three of people close to me to read the script and watch the pilot, and they all went, uh, no. This is a show that many networks passed on yeah, as well, right? Yeah, and, and the three people who, who I listened to said, the people seem uh, skin deep, nothing happens to move anybody along, and there's, not, and there's insufficient tension. They were sort of not wrong. 
you know, if you only read the pilot, but certainly the people I worked with and I thought there was something in it that was more nuanced and was more sort of that you would get to. So I think there's an opportunity for a lot more patience. I think that's still, we still think that's true today and that great craft, I know it sounds just sort of like fundamentalism and art, but that great stuff and great craft and great writing and great directing and great casting will engage people. Right. And, and, and here's one of the just curious thing, shows that rated higher in seasons two, three, and four almost never occurred in the history of television. That didn't happen. They went like this. And so we saw, for what it's worth, forget the shows, it's just true about the nature of marketing and people alerting that there's good stuff around. So Breaking Bad and Man Bed and Walking Dead all went like this, not just because they were good, but because the system and the amount of interaction and conversation and recommendation. People are finding them on demand. Netflix, yeah. for a long time, said we get credit for that. We're the ones that made Breaking Bad a hit because people came to do it in they older probably seasons. probably had a hand. You know, probably had a hand. You're not one to give them full credit for, for the success of those shows. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I think they had a hand. Yeah. Um, and are you willing to run a show for an extra season in the hopes that it's going to pick up down the road? If we think it's got... Uh, the creative goods, and we think that it really w is worth recommending to your friends and people, and that people will do that, then the answer is, yeah, we will, as long as the economic sort of scenario is sane. One of your counterparts, the uh, CEO of FX, recently yeah. said, there's too much good TV. Huh? Yeah. There's a glut of TV. There's yeah. more original TV than ever. There's too much. It's too, it's too good. It's too hard for people to find, and the economics don't mm -hmm. work. As a, as a viewer, this seems like a high-quality problem to have. Um, do you believe in, that, in the premise that there's just simply too much new, original, good TV out there? I think that if you're living in the old system, uh, then there's too much good TV. If you believe that ultimately the system is going to morph, and that apps, by the way, as announced today, will probably have an accelerating hand by degree in that, then there's no way too much good TV. It's like saying, are there too many good books out today? And the answer is, Yes, if you believe every book should be read and profitable and celebrated. No, if you believe that you're going to have to basically earn your way to success through quality and whatever degree of notoriety it takes. And are there too many good movies? And the answer is not every movie is supported and make money. But I would say that if the expectation is every movie should be supported and make money, then there's too many movies. So. There aren't too many TV shows. There's too many TV shows to live and flourish in the grid world in which everything sort of just moved along and you watch what was on at 10 because you were watching what was on at 9.30. I actually think it's sort of naive and anachronistic and, and uh, to think that that's the problem. The problem is the system is a better system for people. And so you, you better have to engage in that system and live and win within it. And you think, you, you think there is a future for you as a network in that system. Um, uh, it's, again, great for us, yeah. rougher for you. Yeah. This summer, uh, Wall Street decided one day that, that the TV business was a terrible business and every stock went down many percentage points. Um, it's come back a bit. Can you, can you explain what that was like to go through that process? I think you were in the middle of an earnings call yes, yeah. uh, as your stock was tanking one more. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's what you do when things like that happen, when your stock drops eight points during an earnings call, when you're reporting good results. 
you giggle afterwards. Uh, so it was odd. It was odd. Uh, but uh, and there are people in the room who could probably comment more authoritatively than me on <clears throat> on the free market system and how the stock market reacts to information and how it embraces and processes uh, multiples. It was it was odd to go through, but in a certain sense, there was a bit of logic and sense to it because a sort of defining moment crystallized some things that people had been thinking but hadn't necessarily put into their models, and so there was a bit of an adjustment. And that thing was Disney saying, you know, yeah, ESPN's yeah. shrinking a little yeah. bit, and yeah. everyone said, oh, if, if, if ESPN is shrinking a little bit, then everything's shrinking, yeah. and maybe it's shrinking a lot. Yeah. Um, one of the bits of conventionalism about the way TV is going to look soon is that instead of me going through Comcast or Time Warner Cable and buying a big bundle of, of channels, I might buy a skinny bundle of channels, maybe through Comcast, maybe through Sling TV, which you're a part of, maybe through some product Apple might yeah. sell. Um, first of all, do you think consumers want that, that skinny bundle of, of 20 networks instead of 100? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think consumers, <clears throat> to state the, I, sort of maybe the obvious, I think consumers want what they want, when they want it, with the least friction and the least intermediation uh, possible. Who wants to be hassled by some sequence of wholesalers and retailers predetermining what you're going to pay for, eat, or buy? Um, I think that's sort of a fundamental and simple principle. What moderates that in reality, though, I think, is that things have to be organized in a system that provides economic support and you do want things to be sort of curated. So I think that consumers neither do or don't want a skinny bundle. I think they want organizing principles and curation and quality, and they want fair price. So I think skinnier bundles offer one way at that. I think sort of guidance and curation offers another way at it. So I think for the moment, it seems sort of appealing and may have some wind behind it. Um, it doesn't seem to me to be, it just seems to me to be one event in a continuum of I want what I want when I want it, I want the good stuff, I don't want decisions made for me, but I also want value. So I think that that's gonna have an evolution, I think, and I actually can't exactly say what that evolution will lead to, what form it would look like or take. I mean, so you're in one, there is, there are some tests of this theory happening right now. You're in one of them. Sling TV yeah. comes from yeah. Dish. You yeah. can get you guys and ESPN and yeah. CNN for, for 20 bucks a month. Are people subscribing to this thing? What, what, what sort of pickup are you seeing for that? So, uh, you know, I think it's off, it seems to be off to a reasonable start. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the people at Dish could tell you more authoritatively, they are the retailers of it. Um, you know, I, I hope it's not bravado on our part. You know, I like to think that because for the past 10 or 15 years we've been thinking that the television system won't be the same and you're going to have to earn your way into the consumer's heart and mind and all that stuff, we actually believe that, that you're going to have to have a brand that matters and shows that people really want and you can't just hang around the hoop and live in the old model. So if all the, if greater accountability comes into the system, I like to think that we have channel names and shows that will not only survive, but maybe even thrive and get more compensation. 
when that's the model, then everything's got to get paid for and larger companies are getting things that people don't want to be carried. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I think that that's, I think the good stuff, if I, if I haven't confused you and everybody else, I think the better stuff may rise to the top. If they can find it. But what about a world where, again, Apple showed off deep blinking today on, on the Apple TV. So I'm, I'm searching for Breaking Bad. I'm searching yeah. for Mad Men. I may never find out that it came to me from AMC. It seems to me that that's, that's a real existential problem for the network, yeah. right? Which is in the whatever version of the bundle you're talking yeah. about, you're still bundling a bunch of stuff and selling yep. it to yeah. eventually me. Yeah. Um, and if I can just say, no, I don't care about AMC network. I just want to watch Breaking Bad. Yeah. That seems to pose a real problem for you. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I think it, it, it represents, uh, depending upon the amount of time it takes for that change to occur, it represents, uh, you could call it a problem if you think it's going to occur all at once. You can call it an evolution if you think it's going to occur over a period of time. So our response to that has been to be the owner of a number of shows that we put on our channels so that we are economically rewarded when people find them. You didn't start off that way, right? Sony no, made, no, uh, Lionsgate made, made uh, Mad Men? Well, actually, yes, because when we started off, we wanted to sort of de-risk, if right. you want to call it that, our investment in, in Mad Men. So we brought in Lionsgate. And Sony made Breaking Bad, and they, now you're we, making your own shows. And now we're making a lot of our own shows so that when people find them that way, we enjoy the, you know, the dough that comes from it. So that will be a part of our world. You can call it studio-ish without a commissary. We don't have a commissary. Actually, if we had offices that looked like this, I'd be at work earlier and I'd stay later, as would the rest of our employees. So we should probably renovate. Sounds but like Amazon. <laughs> we'll talk to Dean Bacay about that as well. Good. Uh, so, so you're investing more in your programming. Yeah. Obviously, the, the, the risk then comes front-loaded, right? Because if those shows yeah. don't work out, That's right. then you yeah. have more money. The risk does come front-loaded. Uh, and one of the other things you're doing to sort of spread your bets, right, is you actually are experimenting with an actual streaming products yes. that you just sell over the internet. Um, I th you invested in a company called Drama Fever? We did. did. You didn't buy it. You invested in it. Right. Um, and, and you've launched a couple we of have. streaming networks? Yep. There's a documentary network? Yes. We have a documentary thing called Doc Club that's uh, a few months old. And, uh, and we just launched something that is in the horror area called Shudder and their streaming services. These are subscription services? Pure subscription, no advertising. through Apple TV or through you directly? Exactly right. How yeah. are those working? So initial response, uh, our intention was uh, helpfully met. We, we wanted to go out to the people who love that stuff the most and be greeted with enthusiasm because we think that that's the first hurdle to pass and I think we've been greeted with enthusiasm. So we've got the infrastructure now and we've got the groups to do it. A couple of them are here. Uh, and so we're in that business and we like or love the idea of people being highly identified with certain products, be it uh, fanboy horror genre or documentaries because we and I think that documentarians today are as important, perhaps, as um, uh, nonfiction or fiction writers and people who do editorial and our most important journalists. So uh, we did that in part because we actually think that people who make documentaries are important to life and what they have to say will matter and it will matter to a certain constituency. So yeah, it's going well. Is this a test for you or do you <clears> think <throat> uh, fundamentally this becomes a core part of what you guys are in the business of selling, selling directly to consumers instead of selling wholesale through Time Warner Cable and eventually to me? So, you know, I don't know what the destiny is. Um, we, we're in it because we think it's 
uh, important, interesting, and appealing, and it's certainly a good muscle to develop in terms of being able to do that. And it's not what we've historically done. And, and then, then there's a, a lot of talk now that says, well, all these individual streaming services yeah. and HBO Now is, is, is yeah. all a car. Eventually, someone's going to decide that all these streaming services really should get bundled back together. Right. I mean, people are yes. going to enjoy a bundle. I think you can get Showtime now while you buy Hulu. Um, do you think <clears> that we end up, the pendulum swings back that way and people end up saying it's just easier to write one person a check for 100 bucks than to go copy <clears> this together on my own? Yes, both. You know, I really do. So, you know, it's really interesting, and, and it's because the, the bundle will have, will be shown to have lots of value when people start to cobble together, as you say, individual entities that will be priced like that. What's sort of curious, about, and, but I don't think it will um, eliminate individual services or shows being purchased. They're still on demand, there's still iTunes, and there are now streaming SVOD aggregators, Netflix, et cetera. Um, so there'll probably be all of it. Probably be all of it getting into each other's uh, worlds. And there'll be many varieties of it. What happens to advertising this world? There's no ads on Netflix. Uh, there's some ads on, on SVOD, but they're, they're awful, and I try to ignore them whenever I can. My, yeah. I, I, I fast forward through my DVR, et cetera. I can now pay for ads, I pay for a version of Hulu without ads. Yeah. Um, it seems like consumers are trying to move as fast from advertising as they can. That's still a core part of your business. Yeah. How, do you, how do you convince advertisers that people are going to see the stuff you put in the shows? Yeah. So, you know, I think um, what we're currently experiencing, curiously, is um, a fair amount of demand from right this minute from advertisers, meaning a, a good scatter market right as we speak today. No kidding, very strong scatter market, which is interesting because the macro trend would suggest that uh, it's not as attractive as it was, and yet if you have products to sell, if you're a brand manager and you've got to move stuff out of inventory or off the shelf or sell services, you've got to advertise to do that. In fact, we advertise to do that. We advertise to get people to watch. So, <clears throat> and then you get to the question of where's their good inventory that's desirable that actually moves stuff. And then you get to premiums for things that actually work. And so I think what happens is you end up with a pretty bifurcated or fragmented ad market in which certain advertising vehicles today don't look so attractive, and other ones command a huge premium because they actually work. And part of that is about the structure, and part of it is about the editorial. So I, I think it's not one thing again. I think it ends up being a few different things in terms of where it lands. I have other questions for you, yeah. but I want to open it yeah, up yeah. to this, this attractive, intelligent, <clears throat> smart, worldly group here. I don't think we need to worry about microphones, but if someone wants to stand up and shout, that'd be great. Oh, there is a microphone for you. Hey, Josh. Uh, just a question. Can you just identify for us the barriers to entry around the studio-ish part of your company? And is technology making it so that the barriers to entry around content creation are being lowered as the, the bigger internet and tech companies look to perhaps get involved in the content creation function? Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, the, the barriers to entry are, uh, see if I can organize, I hope, a cogent response. 
I think they're probably first and foremost money. Um, it's a lot you, of tech companies with a lot of money. <laughs> but I mean it. I think money is the first is really the first order of business because um, if you look at dramas on television, comedies are somewhat occasionally exceptional, but it's infrequent that there are dramas on any form of television <clears throat> that don't cost threshold level. And that threshold level is somewhere between two and three million bucks per hour. You almost can't find any that costs less. Many have tried and thought that you could do it for less if you had great creativity. And, and it's curious just to, to, to land on that in isolation because there are, in fact, independent films that for a series of reasons that I'm not sure I can define uh, allow or, or find a way to the great embrace of the world and they cost a fraction of what other popular movies do. But again, if I'm, if I'm Tim Cook and I literally have more money than I know what to do with Larry Page, lots of Amazon, money's not a problem for me. It's, so what, what are the other things prevent, what are the other thing preventing me from getting into your business? Yeah, so I think money is the first. I think, um, uh, you know, sort of the next pieces, they're not mysterious. You get into it. I mean, you have to have money. You have to have a reasonable amount of infrastructure and management to do it. Um, and then you need a system for distribution or sale, and that's the world. Now, that stuff sounds easy, and it's not wildly complex, uh, but you just have to go do it. So you can do it, and by the way, new entrants get into it. We weren't doing original programming, and we did Mad Men. So it's not brain surgery. You don't need to go to, uh, to medical school for eight or 10 years. You just need to go take those steps and then go do it. Um, Others have gotten into it too. So I think it's possible for people to enter. You know, it does have a little bit with it of slightly death-defying statistics. If you look at the history of success and you better be prepared to have either the stamina or the economics or the wherewithal to sort of live with at least the historical stats of success and failure. But there's no mystery behind it. So it's not rocket science, but it is hard. Yeah. Uh, other questions? front here. We'll skip the mic next time up. Sorry. It's all right. Hi. I have a question about user experience. Um, Can you just speak up a little bit? Specifically online, outside of apps. So I'm a user and I go to AMC and I want to watch Mad Men. I log on. Can you talk a little bit about the monetization aspects of how you're monetizing those people watching Mad Men? Yeah. Sure, there's, the there's resources that are required to actually monetize, meaning the CDN, the content distribution network that's required, the pre-roll inventory, and, and the fill rate. And, and that all actually equates to the user experience and actually the viewing experience of watching Mad Men for however long that is. What's the thing that you don't like about logging on and watching Mad Men online? The fill rate and the CDN. So just spell that, out, spell that out. So the, the, the quality it's, of the video you don't like? So the quality of the video, the streaming is, is not super great. And on top of that, you guys rightfully so are trying to monetize to the best of your ability. But you've monetized so well that actually you've now forced a user to think about using ad blocking or going to some website outside of the United States. Yeah. So I, I, there has to be balance. And I think you guys do need to make money. But I'm wondering how you guys are finding that balance. You know, I, think it's, I actually think it's a really legitimate question. I do think that that um, if what you're saying, if I just put it in 
layish terms is there's too many ads and it ain't so good. Um, and so, no, so it can send you elsewhere. I mean it. And so I think that th those are really, those are important issues. And so I think we're in the early-ish days of that. And I think we are trying to monetize and support the effort. And I think we'll improve all that we do in that area and we'll find the right balance. But I think, thank you for politely saying it. Um, so, 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 I want it to work for you guys. But. <laughs> no, but I really mean it. I think you said it very nicely. And I think, I, th I think it's curious and right that certainly we and the entire pl uh, television system have a ways to go to figure out exactly how to do it in a way that people want to come back and embrace it. Since Josh is being candid, let's get one last question in here. I think there's <clears> one back here. Whoever wants to flag. Whoever's feeling robust. Let's not wait on the microphone. we just stand up and yell. There we go. Scott. Josh. Yes. Um, huge consolidation in the multi-channel video program distributors. Uh, people, think, people seem to think that makes sense. Consolidation among the content creators, does that make sense? What are your thoughts on both? Sure. Um, so it's going to sound like a long, mealy mouth answer. I hope I don't mean it to no, be. No, do the candid one. The candid one. I, I, it is my candid one. It just sounds like a bad answer. So. Um, I guess, first of all, the consolidation has been occurring, as you well know, for now a decade plus, like this. And so the latest two waves are AT&T Direct and now pending charter. So it seems to keep going on. And uh, the sort of obvious worrisome parts are, uh, you know, on from a programmer point of view, are too much power in the side of the, the retailer. Um, I actually think that has not proven to be the case. Certainly for us, I'll get pragmatic about it, we've done well in an increasingly consolidated world, I'd like to think, because we've been better. So we get paid more, and we get paid more by bigger companies, probably because people, consumers, have a lot more to say and what they're saying is facilitated and heard by the people who run those companies with more clarity and a louder voice. And they can't be disregarded. So I think that there's a moderating effect on the bad part of consolidation. The good part of consolidation, which I don't think has been adequately recognized, is that, I'll say it this way, I think Netflix is nice because 40 million US homes have a uniform interface that's fairly simple. And in the MVPD or cable so-called world, with many, many different companies and different interfaces, it's hard to adjust and it's hard to make things harder, to make things simple and elegant. Oddly, if there are fewer companies and engineering resources and interface resources are pooled, presumably, and you see the beginnings of it in um, what Comcast has done and others, and now Comcast is, I guess, exporting it to, to uh, Cox, that the interface becomes uniform, and I think the experience gets better. So I think that's a good thing. And then if you believe you got good stuff, you sort of rise to the top. So I think that there's a, I wouldn't call it a silver lining, but just a nice thing from universality. 
of this sort of user experience. So you guys think it's great for, for user experience if we have one giant cable company and no other choices? No. All right. But that's so, you know, but oddly, I don't mean to be the defender of that, but it's a, it's a little true, isn't it, if you All think right. about it? Uh, he been, looks at me like that with no, that no, big no, no. eye, man. You've, you've, been, you've been awesome, <laughs> and, and I haven't been praiseworthy enough. We should, we should pimp your, your, your Bill Hader documentary, and then we can get off. It's oh, really genuinely funny. Sure. Come on, say it's, it's uh, a documentary, but it's a funny documentary. It's a funny documentary. Doc, now, I feel like I should now give the commercial like I'm on a yeah. book tour or something. <laughs> yes, I'll be here all week. We got eyeballs here. <laughs> Yeah, so we did, it's a documentary called Documentary Now on IFC, and Peter was kind enough to enjoy one of the episodes, so. I saw two, they're great, you should watch them. Josh, thank This you. is him being enthusiastic, by the way. Super enthusiastic. <laughs> Josh, thank you very okay. much.